All right, boys, welcome back to the first episode in almost two weeks, man. The first, last one, of course, was episode 100. We talked about the future of the podcast, how I want to reshape the mold of the podcast in a way. And like I said, we want to, I will continue doing that. Of course, we'll be talking about basketball, obviously. We'd have uh, definitely watched a lot more college basketball, like even before the tournament. But like, okay, so what I want to do, and this obviously has little to nothing to do with anything podcast related. Um, I just want to talk about why I took two weeks off almost. It's been about, about a week and a half, honestly. It was last Monday was the last time that we actually did a podcast, which is even crazy to say, but yeah, it's been almost two weeks. and. We've, we've, I've taken one actual break from the podcast before this one. This was around like October-ish. I really had some, some crazy mental health issues that was going on at the time. And honestly, the podcast was the least of my concern. Like we did podcast in October, but realistically we took like two weeks off. Then again, I was still hurt at that point. Like I didn't, like I had a lot of extracurricular issues that was going on at that point. And the podcast was like the one thing I could really just take my mind off of. I went to Virginia, went to clear my head, came back, and we we did was doing a lot better. There were breaks where I had technical issues and like you know that that stuff like that was out of my control. So of course I couldn't really do it how I want to. Like I was still doing mobile podcasts at that point because I didn't really have a setup. Now we, you know, we're basically doing it from home, and honestly, it's a lot better. But the reason why I took the podcast, uh, took a break, again, this similar to around mid October, late October, we had a, a serious. I just wanted to get some serious issues out of my, out of the way. Has a lot of extracurricular stuff again outside of the podcast where I was really going through a lot. I can't even lie to y'all. I won't, I, you know, I'm going to be 100 with you no matter what. I had some serious issues that I had to take care of on my own. Like, didn't even, I didn't even, like, leave the house, honestly. It was just me just wanting to be, I just wanted to clear my head. Again, a lot of the stuff that I had, I did prior to podcast like prior to the last episode I should say that was a different like realistically I wasn't feeling myself when I did those podcasts like I I, as always I would I always want to give y'all the best of me at both as a basketball fan and just as a personality I always want to be 100 with y'all want to give y'all the absolute best content imaginable and even then, right before that podcast, like the last episode, we I did an episode with my boy and Ryan, and honestly, it was probably the most fun I had in a while. And obviously, I thank him for that because honestly, I I needed something to refresh the podcast rather than just you know reviewing games, breaking down clips, and et cetera, et cetera. But the first thing that I wanted to talk about, like. Just out again outside of the podcast, outside of life, 
or outside of outside of basketball, I should say, it was. I'm. I've really been trying to get. Just me as a person, right? And I feel like I still haven't figured that out yet. And I really, I just don't know, man. I just don't. I don't know. Like with, again, with everything going on, and even just. Like basketball has been a second there, a secondary thing for me rather than a primary thing. I've still watched games constantly, like, because that's at the end of the day, it takes me out of the situations that I'm going through. But honestly, it, it, it just hasn't worked. And I don't want this to sound like a, a retirement speech. I don't want this to sound like a, you know, I'm quitting the podcast thing full time. No, this absolutely is not. It, we're going to be podcasting to the day we die or the day I can't afford a new PC, whichever comes first. But I real I realized that, and again, I've talked about it on the, the pod pods. I've talked about it on the personal episodes, mental health checkups, et cetera, et cetera, that life is indeed bigger than basketball. As much as I do love watch basketball 18 hours a day, it's constantly ingrained in my life. Whether I want to admit it or not, it is absolutely ingrained in my life, and and I always will be ingrained in my life. But honestly, it's to the point where, like, I can't escape real life just by basketball. And I will dive into that in a little bit because I'm. What's the? I'm trying to think. What am I? What is the word? I'm the only thing. I'm. I'm almost lost in a way, like just as a person, like basketball, obviously I'm still connected deeply into basketball, especially now in college, even watching the G League, like all of that has helped me out constantly and recently, like it's helped, but it hasn't cured my issues. And realistically, I don't think that'll ever happen because Let's be honest, <laughs> like, like that's, there's nothing on this planet that can really cure the issues that I'm going through right now, but I will absolutely be 100% still connected into the podcast. I was like, this will honestly be my escape now. If you think like, this will just be the fact this will, this will be the, this, this will be my, the, the cure to my my issues. And with that being said, I think we can I think we can get into the podcast now actually. I think we can cuz I do have a few things I want to talk about and I will talk about the extracurricular stuff. All right. But actually, I I might as well just get out the way now. All right. So recent again with the recent episodes you can tell that I'm doing two, three, sometimes even four episodes a day, and honestly, it becomes it it turns into stagnant con- content. It's to the point where like I can't give legit content, like banger episode. I give good episodes. I will say that, like you know, just un- a non biased. I say I make decent episodes, but I want to spread out content more. Like instead of doing three episodes a day, maybe two. To maybe three episodes a week. That's kind of how I want to do it because re- realistically, I don't think that 
doing three episodes a day is going to help this hit this podcast grow. And at the same time, I just like legit want to. I want to. I want to get like I said, just at the simple in simple terms, just want to give y'all a better podcast. Like I, I again, I will say I make good episodes, but putting three episodes it won't work long term, especially when I'm it's, I'm a person that likes to give out legit, like breaking content. And again, I'm already a person that's sort of behind. You you can even look at some of the episodes. I'm usually sometimes a day behind on content. I might as well just jam all of that day behind content in a one episode instead of giving y'all three 20 minute episodes. I'll just give y'all one one hour episode a week. Maybe a, another twenty five to thirty when it comes to the the pod pods. I want to like I said, this will be the the uh what's the word I'm looking for? The like like I just want I want to bulk up episodes as opposed to just just middling episodes instead of you know just me talking about Kyrie Irving dropping fit uh sixty or fifty fifty. Yeah, fifty. <laughs> um, cause all right. Spoiler alert. I do want to talk about just some of the top games from this week, or from the past week. There's some change that we've been out. But uh, yeah, like literally, once we went out, Kyrie dropped fifty. My boy Sadiq Bay dropped fifty. Book just had fifty last night. Uh, like Crate Cat had sixty. You know, Joel versus Jokic. They went at it. It wasn't as good as we thought it would be, but still, they went at it. Like we had a lot of crazy stuff happening in the NBA just in the last with the Lakers winning games and whatnot. Russell Westbrook closing out. Like literally, since we've been gone, a lot of craziness has happened in the NBA. And again, not I don't want to get it too much into last week's stuff because obviously last week's dead and gone. But uh, this week I do want to just going to give a, a few shout outs. Obviously, Devin Booker last night absolutely went crazy. Did I did watch that game? That game and the Pelicans and the Bulls. But I did find time also watching college basketball with uh. The Michigan uh, Villanova game. I was about to say Gonzaga, but no, it definitely was Villanova. And I was disappointed because like Michigan is my team, so like I, I want obviously want them to win, but unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Offense was kind of atrocious last night, and I won't even like lie to y'all on that one. That game, if you love defense, that was a defensive game, but realistically, it was just neither team could. By a bucket. I think there was like a four minute stretch where the uh where like Villanova had like two points in like three, four minutes. Michigan, I don't think, scored. So that that definitely doesn't help. But yeah, back to shout outs, obviously. Um like the Milwaukee Bucks have been on a tear. Chicago has absolutely fallen off of a cliff in the last three, two, three weeks. Which sucks because Chicago was a team, even like at the beginning of the year, uh, it was a team that I was really excited about. And now that like reality has hit and they're, how do we say, they're they're a good fifth seed. They're a good fifth, sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, but they're not a team that you would consider a serious contender. And... If they do pull off an Atlanta Hawks type run and actually like go crazy at the end of the year and start, you know, in making maybe a conference finals appearance, then I'd be happy with this team, honestly. But realistically, uh, I don't see that happening this year. 
probably a first round exit, which doesn't, which this year doesn't even sound bad because the Eastern Conference is that deep. But realistically, for the expectations of this team, is kind of sad. Um, speaking of that, we talked about the Atlanta Hawks earlier. Atlanta Hawks <laughs> got destroyed by the Detroit Pistons. This game again, I watched because obviously my team, Detroit played like an actual basketball. This was probably. Wow, literally was on a five to ten minute rant and didn't even realize I was uh, stopped recording. But yeah, we are uh, talking about the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Pistons like they play like an actual basketball team. Probably my favorite Detroit Pistons game this year, and that includes like the one I went to live. Like Detroit had played an actual brand of basketball that wasn't just a guy that's isolating. Like we had what seven, eight guys in double figures, including the guy that had fifty. Like a week ago, all of a sudden he only has 10. But it doesn't matter because Jeremy Grant steps up. Kay Cunningham plays good. Corey Joseph playing non-Corey Joseph basketball, which is a good thing. Killian Hayes doing his best Jason Kidd impression. Marvin Bagley being a great big man off the bench. It's been excellent since he came to Detroit. I actually, Rodney Magruder being a good shooter off the bench. Honestly, even the six assists is extremely surprised that they were Rodney Magruder, but they were legitimate assists. Like him actually finding an open man rather than just be, um, you know, a fast break layup or something. You know, Kelly Olenek being a versatile big man off the bench. That's what I like to see. And it's against a team right now, that like the Atlanta Hawks, who are competing for a playoff spot, or a play-in spot, I should say. And Atlanta low-key sliding. Clint Capella has somehow has fallen off a cliff in one season. Last year was playing like one of the best centers in basketball, catching lives from Trey Young all day. And now it was a big man that's regressed. And you can probably test that to him getting a contract extension and him basically falling off a cliff there. But, like, even in, like, Yaka Kongu playing better than him off the bench. Like, it's not – I'm not saying that Atlanta's not a playoff team. I really want them to be a playoff team because, like, again, you saw the, the magical run they had last year and you think, man, they could replicate that so much. But I don't think realistically that's going to be possible for them this year because every other team ahead of them in the Eastern Conference, except maybe the Charlotte Hornets, have actually played well this year, or played well recently. Even the Hornets, like, yeah, they lost to the Knicks. They're still a team that, you know, don't sleep on them because just as easily tonight, they can beat the Utah Jazz. Granted, that says something more about the Utah Jazz than it does the Charlotte Hornets, but, like, it's very, it's a feasible, like, accomplishment for them. Uh, next, of course, we talked about it. The Honestly, the Memphis Grizzlies. We mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies earlier, like, early in the season on, like, this team could be legit. We literally, you can look at the title of the podcast and like, are the Grizzlies legit? In in that podcast, I talk about like, man, John Morant, if he takes that next step, this team could easily be a, a genuine, legit playoff team. And I, they exceeded even those expectations because right now, right now they're a second seed in the Western Conference. And they're only the second seed in the Western Conference because the Suns legitimately are the deepest team in the league. Legit 12, 13 guys that legit can get playing time on any NBA team, all getting playing time on this team, and are a contender or an elite contender because of it. I was watching a podcast, like, honestly, it was like, I think it was either yesterday or this morning, I can't remember. But um, they were talking about, yeah, the Suns are probably going to have a cakewalk to the Western Conference. Granted, that wasn't the point of the conversation, but it could be just as easily like Phoenix having a a, a cakewalk to the Western Conference because, or cakewalk to the finals, I should say, because Memphis and maybe, and this is a very, 
very huge maybe. A healthy Warriors team is the only thing standing in the way of the Phoenix Suns. And, again, that is a huge maybe because the Warriors, for some reason, can't stay healthy. Klay Thompson and Draymond Green can come back, but then Steph Curry gets injured. Like, and it's true. If Steph Curry comes back, it'll probably be like Wiggins going out with a calf strain or something. Something, like, obviously knock on wood. But, like, it's, it could just as easily be something crazy like that where the Warriors probably, if they're down one man, they don't beat this Phoenix Suns team. I don't care if it's from the starters or from the bench. Realistically, if the Warriors are down one person, Phoenix Suns beat them. Because any given game, it'll be either Chris Paul going crazy in the fourth quarter, Booker going crazy in the fourth quarter, Cam Johnson going crazy in the fourth quarter, Mikael Bridges playing the best defense of his life, DeAndre Ayton all of a sudden being the top three big man playing playing like one. Not literally. I'm not saying he is one. But he play, he will play, have a game where he's going for 30-plus and 15, like something ridiculous like that. Off the bench, you can have guys, or not off the bench, but like Jay Crowder can have a, one of those games. Uh, Alfred Payton all of a sudden have one of those games. Cam uh, Payne playing like Chris Paul Jr. out there. Like literally, Landry Shamit can hit six, seven threes in a game. Like literally, even like Isaiah Wainwright, who's not a scorer, but he will absolutely, he'll be a Mikael Bridges Jr. out there locking up everything he sees. Like the Phoenix, Bismack Biombo being a big man. Literally, anybody on this team, I could just name off the top of my head. Just have a, a huge impact in the playoffs, it'll be the reason that they beat the Golden State Warriors. And I don't see like a Gary Payton in second going off for 25, or like, uh, you know, Jordan Poole might have it, will have his scoring games off the bench, but there will be one of those games where he's not on his, on his game. Phoenix Suns just take advantage of the fact because Clay Thompson, as painful as it is for me to say it, is a shell of his former self and is more just a shot chucker at this point than he is an actual basketball player, which more power to him. Go get as many shots as you humanly possibly can because you missed two years. So obviously go ahead right ahead. Draymond Green, he's been he's playing Draymond Green, but a shell of Draymond Green since coming back from the injury, which I won't even say is a bad thing because even a shell of Draymond Green is an all-star is, is an all-star caliber player, but I don't see that Draymond Green out there no more. I see a decent Draymond Green. But not a great Draymond Green. Next on that list, um, the we, we just talked about it, the Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat. The Warriors did beat the Miami Heat. This was without Steph Curry. And again, I did mention you, you probably won't see a good. We did see a, a good Jonathan Kuminga game, which I think is probably the best thing we can. Uh, honestly, the the Warriors' best option at this point is a, a good Draymond, Draymond Green, or sorry, a good Jonathan Kuminga. That that sits out for a good Draymond Green, a Jordan Poole uh, performance. Like I said, Jordan Poole will have his his thirty point games every now and then, but he also will have those games where he's not really on his on his jazz on an offensive end, and it kind of hurts them. Damian Lee, you're not going to expect Damian Lee to get twenty two for you every single playoff game, which that's going to kind of have to be the thing when you play in the Phoenix Suns because yes, the Miami Heat are a good team, but honestly. The Phoenix Suns are better than the Miami Heat. I don't think there's any debate about that because I will take Chris Paul over and Devin Booker over Jimmy Butler any day of the week, especially Kyle Lowry, who's probably had two good games this entire season. Bam Adebayo is, a, is an all-star caliber big man. But again, I'm taking DeAndre Ayton over Bam Adebayo. You can fight me on that. I don't care. Like, I don't – I don't – I'm while this Miami Heat team is scary, don't get me wrong, I, like fully healthy this Heat team is is really good defensively. And, you know, Devin, like Duncan Robinson can have one of those games where he's shooting crazy. But 
he also has six of those games where he's not really effective on the offensive end. I'm not, like I said, this Phoenix Suns team is that good to where you can even say, like, they're like the Miami Heat does not scare them. Brooklyn fully healthy, especially now with the you know the the cover restrictions lifted and Kyrie Irving can play, <laughs> which that's even a sentence to say just out of random. But like the yeah, Kyrie Irving can play in full time. But I'm not seeing the if Ben Simmons is back, maybe if Ben Simmons is back like and is Ben and playing like Ben Simmons should play. Then maybe I will take the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe. But honestly, the Nets are going to need the perfect matchup in the Eastern Conference, which I don't think that exists for the for the Miami or for the Brooklyn Nets. Because it's as the eighth seed, you'll be playing Miami. As the seventh seed, you'll be playing Milwaukee. As the sixth seed, you'll be playing Philly. And as the fifth seed, you'll be playing the Bucks. Or I think sorry, you'd be playing Boston, sorry. So, who exactly are you of those of the four matchups? Maybe Philly because you have Ben Simmons guarding James Harden potentially, and you just let Joel be a foul merchant. As long as you don't foul Joel Embiid, you're fine. Which no team has figured that out yet, but maybe Brooklyn might be the team. Who knows? Unless you're playing Philly, I'm not taking Brooklyn in the first round. Again, you can fight me on that. I genuinely don't care. Like I said, their best chance is getting out of the play-in. If they can win games and not and like avoid the play-in spot, which even in the Eastern Conference, unless Chicago absolutely falls off of a cliff in the Eastern Conference, and again that is a big if because Cleveland I think could still be uh can hold afloat while fighting for a a play-in spot. Like or just fighting to stay out of a play-in spot, I should say they're currently in a tie with Toronto, and Toronto's actually been on fire recently. Unless, and that is again a big unless, unless the Bulls absolutely fall off a cliff, I don't see Brooklyn getting out of, getting out of the play-in. And again, <laughs> like even Brooklyn right now currently is the eighth seed, be playing the Miami Heat. I don't like their chances against Miami specifically because Miami's defense is that good, fully healthy, and. P.J. Tucker is guarding Kevin Durant. That's not even a, a – Kevin Durant can still go get his 35, but Kevin Durant is going to be worked for seven games. And I don't like – if Kyrie Irving is your only mismatch in the Eastern Conference, I don't think that's going to take you to a championship. That's just my opinion. So even then, I'm not fully scared about this Brooklyn Nets team. Again, fight me on that. I don't care. Next on that, <laughs> oh, man. Again, we'll talk about the Phoenix Suns again, bro, because like we, there's not enough. You can't stress this team enough of how good they are, realistically. You can't. And again, that's, and again, say that about just about anybody in the Western Conference, but they don't, nobody has a chance against Phoenix. I'm sorry. Minnesota played probably the best brand of basketball you can play against the Phoenix Suns which is taking advantage of the fact that DeAndre Eaton isn't the best perimeter defender out there. But even then, Carl Anthony Towns wasn't Carl Anthony Towns. And essentially, you had the four, had, like, even with like a good performance from Jalen Noel off the bench, and Malik Beasley was solid too. 
D'Lo wasn't D'Lo. Like, probably one of the worst D'Lo games he's had this year, honestly. Like, just from a confidence standpoint, from a even just a simply from like realistically, D'Lo did not play, and D'Lo honestly is he is a, a limited guard. Like he's a guy that needs to play with the ball in his hand, especially on a team like this where Patrick Beverly is essentially the primary playmaker on this team. Like I'm not. I, again, I don't. Uh, Minnesota's had a magical run. Let's. This has been the best Minnesota basketball team since like 2006, seven, whenever KG's prime years were. So I guess like 04 maybe. This is the best Minnesota. Honestly, the Jimmy Butler team before Jimmy got hurt. That that team might also be up there. I will say that because they were like the third seed. I'm pretty sure before everything fell off a cliff and they ended up getting, I think, gentlemen swept by Houston. So yeah, since that was even like what 2016, 27, 2017. I'm pretty sure it was. No, it was shoot. It was 2018. That does not feel like four years ago. Anyways. That's like the best Minnesota basketball. That one season was the best they had in almost 20 years. And honestly, I like this team more because this isn't just, and honestly, this team actually genuinely likes each other. I think very obviously Jimmy Butler and Cat did not, never got along. Jimmy Butler and Wiggins couldn't get along because Wiggins is honestly probably scared of Jimmy Butler in that locker room, if I'm being honest. This team actually has a, a Genuine chemistry. And again, Minnesota Minnesota losses specifically on a great second half from Phoenix as opposed to a bad second half from them. Minnesota played well in that second half, but Phoenix played otherworldly in that second half. Honestly, and again, it's the best team in basketball. What are you, realistically, what are you going to do about that? And again, this isn't even me pushing an agenda. This isn't like, uh, a Phoenix Suns bias or whatever. Like, this team is legit. And again, the record shows for it, but you just watch this team, and especially in the in the fourth quarters of most of their games, they are the easily the best closing team in basketball. DeAndre Ayton, again, showing offensively he's one of the more polished big men we've seen in a long time and doesn't get the credit for it because he's playing with an MVP caliber Devin Booker, Chris, an MVP caliber Chris Paul, one of the best, probably the best pure two-way player or two, three and D guy in the league, and Mikael Bridges, and ex- a great leader in the locker room. And yeah, honestly, on the floor too, and Jay Crowder, Landry Shaman had a great shooting game off the bench. Torrey Craig even playing like Torrey Craig looked like Denver Torrey Craig out there, and that's and again Torrey Craig isn't like some elite All NBA type guy, but. Torrey Craig at the, at the at the end of the day three and D similar to Mikael Bridges, but when you saw Phoenix uh, or saw in Denver, Torrey Craig always had the best the, had the best player. No matter big or small, he was always guarding the best player. Whether it was Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, um, he was getting you know he even like crazy like Chris Paul like he was being he was guarding everybody. Like they gave him. Damian Lillard, he he was CJ McCollum both in in these same series was getting McCollum matchups and Damian Lillard matchups back to back plays and was hold, more than holding his own. And honestly, if you look at just Tory Craig, Tory Craig has never had a bad moment. I was like, he granted he's had games where he's gone scoreless in like twenty five minutes. Like pe- players do that. Tony Tony Snell has made a meme out of it, honestly, but. 
with Tory Craig, it's not just him running around. It's not just him, you know, in stationary. Like he's actually like playing legit defense. One of the better legit defense defensive players in the league. It's not just a a situation where he's just oh he's we're forgetting that Tory Craig's even on the floor. No, his impact is very noticeable without looking at the stat sheet, and that's what I like about guys like Tory Craig. Same with guys like Royce O'Neal and even Patrick Beverly to an extent, because I I think the whole just him running around thing is stupid anyway. But Tory Craig, honest, like like he is in that mold of guys who play. And honestly, you saw it in this game too. Or not to some extent, Jerry uh, Jerry Vanderbilt is also in that same category too. Where again, it doesn't show up in the numbers that Jerry Vanderbilt is one of the best defensive players in this game, but he is one of the best defensive players, especially at the, when it comes to young defenders. Because young defenders honestly do get foul merchant. Honestly, they get they become foul hungry, and that kind of takes them out of games, especially in the playoffs. Jerry Vanderbilt has done a good job of being a great defender without being a foul, like a foul, basically foul hunting. And that's what I like about him. Next, a game that I did not watch because, again, don't really care at this point. Orlando out-tanked the OKC Thunder as OKC beat them by 16. Especially if there's no Shea Gilgis Alexander for OKC. Like, it's kind of hard for me to want to root for Orlando, like, just want to watch this game. Even as somebody that lives, essentially, basically lives in Orlando, you could not pay me to, to watch this game because, like, in when I say names like this, I respect these names because these dudes, like, again, play down on the, ro- the road in Lakeland and are guys that I actually like watching. But realistically, on an, in an NBA game, if we're talking about stakes, would I rather watch the Orlando Magic versus the OKC Thunder or would I watch the Philadelphia 76 versus the Lakers? Or even the Suns versus the Timberwolves. Rockets versus the Mavs. Granted, that was a blowout too, but this is Luka versus Jalen Green. Come on now. We're watching that game. I'm watching those games before I watch OKC in Orlando. And again, like shout out to like Jeff Doughton for getting minutes. I love, I actually like Jeff Doughton as a basketball player. Super speed. Can honestly handle the ball. Can, uh, even his shot needs work. I'm going to be honest. But guys like him, Iggy Brzezakis, as a Michigan guy, I love Iggy Brzezakis. I think he can, he could probably work his way onto, into an NBA rotation. Honestly, even like Admiral Schofield, people clown him for being buff and being looking like a football player, but honestly, he has some skill there. I think it legit just takes just a year of him being on a team, just let him run in the rotation. Honestly, it, like a team like OKC, honestly, could, even a team like Orlando, I think could work for him because they're so short on wings. Like shoot, like Shumo Kiki and Franz Wagner are realistically the only quote unquote wings that are healthy in this rotation. I think he they can more than play in this rotation. He could play it two, three, and four, honestly, based on his build. I think he can be uh, solid for the team. But realistically, I don't. I, I I didn't. I didn't watch the game. I just I can't, bro. Um. And okay, see, so shout out to Theo Mal- uh Tail Maladon. That's a, literally all I can. In Trey Man too. Trey Man has actually been hooping like last. Month or a month and a half or so, basically since he's been moving to the starting lineup uh, for Josh Giddy, he's actually been pretty solid. And shout out to him for that. But again, like I said, we could talk about it. Houston Rockets versus Dallas Mavericks. <sighs> Where do us? Houston had it right for about two games. Legit, legit had it right for about two to three games. 
just for context, the Houston Rockets have, I'm pretty sure they still have the worst record in the NBA. 18 and 55. They are horrible. Why are we still playing Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, Dennis Schroeder, and even to some extent like Bruno Fernando, who realistically y'all not going to build around, so why even bother? Guys like Jalen Green getting uh, heavy PT, I don't mind. KPJ getting heavy PT, I don't mind. Even uh, Alperun Shangoon and Garrison Matthews, KJ Martin, Josh Christopher, guys like that, all getting PT, like the, uh, crazy PT. Guess what? I absolutely do not mind because you're legit. You have a chance to build around two to three of these guys. Why is Christian Wood playing more minutes than Alperin Shangun? Why is Dennis Schroeder playing more minutes than Josh Christopher? Eric Gordon, same uh, same concept. Jay Sean Tate, same concept, but with KJ Martin and Garrison Matthews. Like, <sighs> Jay Sean Tate already, I think, is like 26, 27 years old. We talk, we've, talk, we've had this conversation on the podcast before. Like, Houston has, is doing everything wrong when it comes to just letting talent progress. Because you're going to wait till year three, year four of Josh Christopher before yeah, he actually even like touches a starting lineup. Or are you just going to let him just go to another team? Because realistically, nobody's trading for Eric Gordon's contract. I'm going to just be honest with you, Houston. Performances like he had against Dallas, is nobody's trading for Eric Gordon. I'm telling you that now. Nobody's going to – I don't care if you're attaching a first-round pick to it, lottery protected, top 25 protected, whatever. I don't care what you protect, <laughs> a first-round pick you protect. Nobody is taking on that contract. No, the, like, let's look at teams that would potentially be interested in Eric Gordon. The obvious one is the Los Angeles Lakers. They ain't affording it, and they definitely ain't. <laughs> you all definitely don't want Russell Westbrook, especially in the situation y'all are in right now. Teams like the Clippers, who, granted, could potentially not even really, not even them, the Clippers would really want to match that because. Are they giving up Zubak in this deal? Are they giving up Marcus Morris? Why would y'all want Marcus Morris in return? Y'all want to buy him out? Sure, whatever. And if y'all want to buy out Eric Gordon, what's the point of giving him a uh, four-year with $78 million deal in the first place? Or it was like five years, something, something ridiculous like that. Why would you give him the contract in the first place if you're just going to buy him out two years later? That I don't understand either. But again, Houston Rockets in a nutshell. Um, Same thing with guys like... Like Dennis Schroeder, buy him out and let him go to a contender. Him sitting on your roster is not going to get him, <laughs> isn't going to give y'all brownie points because realistically, those minutes could go to a Deshaun Nix, a Josh Christopher, a Garrison Matthews, et cetera, et cetera. KPJ might not need to play 29 minutes a game. Maybe you can give him 35, like, you know, most young guys should. You know what? All right. Bumped it. Shout out to the Mavs backcourt. Post with no Luka in it. But, good lord, the Houston Rockets uh, is a horribly ran organization. Good draft picks, but golly, let them play. I'm I'm tired of just sitting and watching, like, veterans on bad teams. Like, even with my Pistons, Corey Joseph does not need to play basketball. Rodney Magruder does not need to play. Kelly Olenek, I think, needs to play because we just need a big man off the bench that isn't Marvin Bagley. I think that's that's fine. But even Jeremy Grant, I'm positioned to want to be sat for the rest of the year because I'm curious of what a lineup of Killian Hayes, Kate you know, Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Marvin Bagley, and, and uh, Isaiah Stewart 
can do together. Just no no BS. Just run, run, run. All young guys, all guys that are, I'm sure this team wants to build around in the future, maybe a little bit less on Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart, but definitely the top three. Just let them boys run. I know Killian Hayes has been really good as a six-man. Honestly, keep that. Run Saban Lee in the starting lineup. Again, Saban Lee has not been good. He, like, his shot is still horrible. But honestly, it might just be a confidence thing with him. Let him run four, five, six, seven games in a row just as, like, in the in the main rotation instead of giving him five, ten minutes a game. Like, let him actually, like, run, run. And see, just see what you have in him. And honestly, if it's a tradable asset, make it a tradable asset. Next, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Los Angeles Lakers. That's the evergreen statement. The Lakers lost another game without LeBron James. And realistically, this is a situation where, like, Russell Westbrook is a good basketball player. I don't – yes, I said that. Crucify me. Russell Westbrook is a good basketball player. Russell Westbrook is playing with hot garbage right now. Listen to this rotation of the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Wayne and Gabriel, who, again, I actually like those two, but we're not going to talk about it. Dwight Howard in the bench, Malik Monk, DJ Augustine, Carmelo Anthony. Yes, this team is hot garbage. And yes, Joel Embiid had 30, Tobias Harris had 20, James Harden got into the paint at will, and even DeAndre Jordan had a near double-double in 14 minutes. Yes, the Lakers are horrible right now. That's, again, a statement that you don't need to just emphasize 24-7. Russell Westbrook is not a bad basketball player. He just isn't a fit next to LeBron James. This is something we have said since August. This is something that we will continue to say in April, May, June, whether they are a playoff team or not. Russell Westbrook could have gone to any other team except for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he would be having a better season right now with less scrutiny. That is a statement I don't think gets said nearly enough. It is always that Russell Westbrook's trash, Russell Westbrook's washed, and Russell Westbrook shouldn't be in the NBA. That's Those are more common statements than Russell Westbrook isn't, isn't a bad player. He just isn't a good fit with the team he is currently on. In Washington, literally 12 months ago, he was averaging a triple-double leading them, leading them to the playoffs. Yes, Bradley Bill was a good scorer, but honestly, he was more foul merchant than, Bradley, uh, than James Harden. Again... Fight me on that. I will absolutely go to war for a Russell Westbrook move. Russell Westbrook played one of his best, two of his best games with LeBron out, completely out of the mix. The Toronto game and the Philly game. Russ nearly had a triple-double. His best, second best player was Dwight Howard, which crazy statement to say in 2022. And realistic, and honestly, you just look at the game. Russell Westbrook, uh, similar to James Harden, he was getting to the paint at will. Again, you can just say that about literally any Russell Westbrook game ever. And, and honestly, like pre-Lakers, I should say. You can say that about Russell Westbrook any day of the week. And it just, just seems like a normal statement. But now that, you know, not playing with LeBron, AD is obviously injured. And it's it seems like an all, almost perfect fit for Russell Westbrook because... And again, he's being efficient while doing this too. He's not, it's not like Russell Westbrook's just playing bad basketball. He's just shot chucking. No, he's shooting 50% at averaging almost a triple double in back to back games, by the way. And even in the Washington game, that was a fun game too to watch, by the way. That uh, Wizards Lakers game, 
pretty underrated in my opinion. But he's doing this in the most hostile environments, including the Staples Center, and is almost in, if I feel like it's going under the radar because he's had such a, a bad fit of a season with the Lakers that it, only, it, it becomes more of a spotlight at this point that Russell Westbrook has bad moments playing with LeBron James as opposed to not playing with LeBron James. Because when honestly, when he's just the guy with the ball in his hands, which LeBron James isn't going to play off ball, let's be honest here, y'all. Russell, West, Russell Westbrook with the ball in his hand, full control, is one of my favorite players to watch. But when he's just like a guy that's like sitting in the corner or sitting in the in the, in quote unquote the Ben Simmons the dunker spot, like he's not going to be effective. In which, again, seventy games into the season, we have finally noticed that. Shout out to the Lakers, though, for, again, making most of these games watchable now that, like, you know, like, again, I'm not saying the Lakers are a negative with LeBron James. That's obviously not what I'm saying. He's averaging 30, like 30 points, eight rebounds, six assists for a reason. He is still an absolutely great basketball player. Top five, maybe even arguable top three in the league. And you can even, and honestly, there shouldn't be a debate about him being top five, but People will continue to debate that to the day they die. <clears throat> the final game, the game that possibly one person on this planet cared about, and that person was not me. The San Antonio Spurs versus the Portland Trailblazers. San Antonio dogged them. Portland's not going to be anything for the next five years. That's literally my notes. <laughs> this game sucked to watch, and the score doesn't even do this game justice it was honestly over in the first five minutes of this game but Portland continues to push hot garbage out on the floor and yeah we'll see what happens in all season all right so now let's get into the Thursday slate of games which saw of course which I slated the last time that they played they I called this the revolutionary of basketball where the three young big men a three big man lineup as opposed to the all wing combination. This team, both teams have changed a lot since then. Again, you we were talking about the Pascal Siakam running the five at that point, and like, like you know, Precious Chua being the biggest player on the floor for the Raptors, and the Cavs had Jared Allen at that point, and now, well, both teams have been are completely different where the Cavs essentially run Kevin Love now instead of Jared Allen, which has not worked out for them because defensively they're still kind of dog water. And now with the Raptors, you know, they're running Kem Birch and Chris Boucher is back for them now. Thaddeus Young still runs some minutes for them, even though he kind of fits that mold of 6'8", 6'9", guys that can play defense. Um, This game... I think, honestly, was more exciting than the first meeting that they had, which kind of was saying something, but I will I will admit that, obviously, I was a lot more interested in the first one because, again, honestly, these are still more, like, very interesting because, again, playoff implications and the fact that, like, you know, most of the guys that are – like the main attractions on both of these teams are still, you know, relatively healthy. Of course, like OG Ananobi came back for Toronto last night and played pretty well, honestly. Like, 
again, for somebody that, you know, hadn't played in what it seemed like a long time, like, he's, like, again, OJ Ananobi's still a good player. I think he still has another level to reach. I think this is the still somewhat development age for OJ Ananobi because, again, he's been from playing the two, the three, the four, and most for most of his tenure with the Raptors, still necessarily hasn't found his place. And it kind of seems weird now because of Scotty Barnes being added to this team. Like, you know, like the focus has come off of OG Ananobi, so it doesn't seem nearly as like impactful. But honestly, he's still a really good player. Pascal Siakam, like, obviously deserves a mention 35 and 32, like with the five rebounds and the six assists. Like, Pascal Siakam is, again, is one of those players where it's like, he's, it almost seems like one dimensional with him. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing because that one dimension gets him a bucket almost at will constantly. But it still like it doesn't seem like like come playoff time, which again the the Raptors honestly shouldn't be their main focus right now isn't the playoffs, it's just continuing development for their guys. But <laughs> it it does feel weird in a way that this team doesn't. It, it almost seems like at this point, like with pa- with Pascal Siakam, th- this as a him as a player right now is just who he is. And even right now, Pascal has absolutely been hooping for the last shoot, God knows how long it's been. What two weeks, two three weeks at this point, he's been going absolutely ridiculous for uh for for Toronto, and I will. Preference, but I think he's averaging almost like twenty, like twenty six, twenty seven a game over the last three weeks for the for the Raptors, and even then, like these, and again, it's mostly, again, mostly him driving, like just bulldozing into the paint. But again, it's a it's a formula that works for him because he's not the most consistent shooter on the planet, and honestly, will never probably be that consistent of a shooter like he can shoot he's a he's a guy that well he is a guy that will shoot i wouldn't say is a great shooter but is a guy that will nonetheless get you he will go get you a bucket if necessary and it's worked out for him he's a pretty solid player borderline all-star this year putting up those numbers mostly again in the paint now with this raptors team i think for them to build towards the future, I think Pascal's probably gone, which is, is sad because like Pascal, like his greatest moments of his life, honestly, are in a Raptors jersey wearing number forty three. But I think a trade will probably be on the horizon, probably in the off season, maybe may, maybe next season, maybe next off season. This happens, but I realistically don't see a Pascal Siakam built Raptors team being anywhere close to potentially being a like anywhere like near a Scotty Barnes built Toronto Raptors team like with him and OG I guess you can keep Fred there too um that's about it on maybe pressure to pressure to honestly has been a, it's a weird guy because He's like almost exclusively a corner three point shooter playing center. Like that's been his his biggest contribution to the Raptors being a corner three point shooter. 
Like he, every shot you see uh, uh, Precious take, it's essentially in the corner or it's him getting blocked at the rim because he's a six seven center basically. He's not. He's essentially PJ Tucker playing center. In all honesty, because PJ Tucker, like granted, PJ Tucker's an all defensive level guy too. But honestly, like his big PJ Tucker's biggest calling card is, or his biggest known calling card, I should say, is his his three point shooting in the corner. One of the best, honestly, of all time shooting in that corner spot. And it's won him plenty of games. Won him a championship last year. Like, in with PJ Tucker, I will preference this. Obviously, like Precious Achua is nowhere going to be isn't going to be nowhere near PJ Tucker, like like literally just purely off of impact. I don't see him being anywhere near. But who knows? Maybe this could be the the lead up to a potential like actual what's the word? I'm, I'm for an actual maybe a develop. I don't know developing PJ, uh, Precious Achua into a potential uh, PJ Tucker. You know, that, that might be an option. Like, granted, he's going to have to play the four. He's not going to be a center being playing the way that he plays and be the level of a P.J. Tucker. But I will say Precious Achua, he has the time. He's not, like, he's not a 30-year-old rookie that you're developing. He's, like, what, 22, 23? He, honestly, I could see him being – he again, he has another level to be, be a potential role player on a great team. But realistically, it's 22. He'll be 23 in all season. I can t- see him being easily, and again, it's a very big step for him to be from what he is now to a P.J. Tucker in two, three years. But it's possible for him to be that guy on, the, on this Raptors team because this team, like, again, OG Nanobi is a good defender. Scotty Barnes is a good defender. Pascal Siakam even is a good defender. But they don't have that elite defender that's going to take them over the top in this 6-8 to 6-9 you know lineup like basically a lineup that they're trying to run this revolutionary lineup that they're running as opposed to three-point ball they're just they're running purely off of length and athleticism which has gotten them a playoff spot if anything else they like with this win they have tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers but I'm pretty sure that they uh the Cavs have the and like they have the uh the tiebreaker but nonetheless, this this is still a very this is going to be a very underrated but fun like little series to watch like in the future with the Cavs and the Raptors because again it's essentially the two different brand two completely different brands of basketball the three the three big men versus the all wings and different family. Um, next the Milwaukee Bucks again this is a game that I didn't watch specifically because. Like the wizard, the wizards I have zero interest in, and Giannis wasn't playing, so like, why should I care? Honestly, uh, Drew Holiday had a great game. Grayson Allen, I did see on Twitter, Tomas Sadoransky blocking, or did he? Not, and I wasn't. I don't even think it was a block. Like he literally just like knocked down uh, Grayson Allen, and like people on Twitter was clowning <laughs> Grayson Allen for it. But realistically, like you know, I'm I'm cool with guys like you know, Grayson Allen just getting, but. Uh, somewhat of a come up it's like Grayson Allen has taken out more bodies than he's been taken out because people some for some reason are scared of Grayson Allen. But honestly I'm I'm okay with the, as long as it's not costing the Wizards anything, which it really isn't because they're not that good. But as long as like Tomas Sanarinsky isn't like if if the Wizards were fighting for a playoff spot, which it looks like they're not then albeit I'm all for 
you know, the shenanigans getting in, you know, getting in people's heads, maybe even just as simple as just, just go, as, again, as, as long as you're not endangering a man's life, I'm fine with it. Grayson Allen wasn't going to die because Tomas Sadoransky knocked him down a peg, but it works because Grayson Allen, it, it, it should honestly like motivate Grayson Allen to be a much better basketball player than just, you know, that's the, de- he is sort of the, is the definition of a guy that's just running around trying to injure people rather than giving Patrick, Patrick Beverly, who's an actual contributor, major contributor onto his team, by the way. Like, Grayson Allen is probably the definition. Great, granted, Grayson Allen's an okay shooter. Okay. Like, you know, antics aside, couldn't be a good defender. He is just not shown as nearly as much as him being a a tyrant, essentially, on the defensive end, being an annoyance, or even just a simp- simply just being, being who he is, which is a, basically... A guy masquerading as a good basketball player. I said it. Again, fight me for it. Grayson Allen, I think, could be a legit contributor on a good team. He is on a great team and solid enough contributor. I get I'd take Pat Connaughton over him, but you know, what he's whatever as a basketball player. I'm not gonna complain about it because he's better than I am. But like again, for him to escape the ridiculousness that is the antics that he he shows on screen on in in most games then he's going to have to be a lot better than what he is like just he has like he has to be a lot better of a basketball player than what he is showing next game a game I did not watch because the Indiana Pacers I will look more into their offseason than I will into their midseason well, even late season, honestly, because, again, we know this team isn't a playoff team. We know this team probably won't have a top five pick. It's possible, but I doubt it. I severely doubt it, honestly. But it's a team that, honestly, I should watch this game just because they have my boy Justin Anderson out there. But, like, realistically, this is just the the Lance Stevenson showcase. Um, Just let him play in Indiana forever. Like, it, once he's outside of that blue and gold, he is horrible. He is not a good basketball. He's honestly is. I don't even say he's a basketball player. He's more of a street ball guy. But he, for some reason, just likes to to cook when he was the Pacers. He had twenty five last night off the bench, and you can argue whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's the one that's getting these buckets instead of you know Tyrese Halliburton or O'Shea Brissett, you know Terry Taylor, uh, Taylor or um, uh, Kiefer Sykes, Dwayne Washington, et cetera, et cetera. But like I'm. Jesus, that did not sound good. But um, <laughs> oh boy, I gotta cut. Anyways, um, yeah, like Lance Stevenson being that guy, I don't mind. You know, last 10, 12 games of the season, honestly, because again, the Pacers aren't competing for this. This doesn't like 10, 12 games doesn't hurt Tyrese Halliburton's development. Neither does it hurt O'Shea Brissett, because right now they are just who they are. Tyrese again has another level to go. Honestly, seeing what O'Shea Brissett, you know, Taylor. Uh, Sykes, Washington, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, next year it will be, an, it will be interesting to say, again, say the very least for the uh, Indiana Pacers, the Memphis Grizzlies. Desmond Bain absolutely killed it last night because 
Again, realistically, Desmond Bain honestly is slowly turning into one of the more underrated players in the league because John Morant's like an MVP candidate and the fact that the Grizzlies are the second seed in the Eastern Conference or in the Western Conference, sorry, because of John Morant being that good, Jaron Jackson Jr. being good, you know, like Stephen Adams being, again, one of the more underrated big men in the league. It's just one of the more underrated teams. And again, I was just like legit just at any moment in time has just literally spammed it no matter what you can honestly see it's getting annoying at this point but i truly believe that the grizzlies probably are the most underratedly deep team in basketball i did say the phoenix suns was the most deep uh, the deepest team in basketball and i do stand by that statement but god this memphis team rules bro like d'anthony melton last night with 19 john conchar with 18 uh xavier tillman with 16 being Honestly, because again, Tillman, Xavier Tillman is a guy that like, you just preference him being more of like a rebounding defensive type big man. But he can honestly perform in the offensive end just as well. He has a little bit of a mid uh, range jump shot. He can, you know, bully in the paint with the best of them. And again, if he's adding a consistent three point shot, he is a good, solid big man for the Grizzlies to run with, especially in the future if Steven Adams isn't on this team. He probably will be because they gave up a lot to get him. But realistically, he doesn't even have to like he doesn't even have to be a scorn because he can play the Stephen Adams role of just go get rebounds and play defense and just like be a good paint protector. Like Stephen again, this, he can do the Stephen Adams thing just for seven more years now. Like I don't necessarily mind the the current role of Xavier Tillman, but I do want him to just expand his game just because he's like I said he's a young big man so like of course he can, but honestly he can honestly he could just sit uh, and wait. But next, oh boy, I kind of feel bad for Bulls fans, specifically my boy Ryan and obviously KLT4Q because they had so much hope for this team. Good Lord. <laughs> How do I put this? Um, all right, so New Orleans Pelicans beat the Chicago Bulls 126-119. to this was a one-point game going into the fourth quarter. Chicago was actually up eight at the end of the first quarter, by the way, which, again, great for uh, first quarter. Good Lord. Okay. So, Zach Levine. This is – all right. So, this Bulls lineup last night just screams the previous four years of Zach Levine in Chicago, where it's him and a whole lot of nothing, especially on the offensive end. Defensively, whatever. Like they had a bad for the defensive fourth quarter, but outside of that, it was just a regular NBA defensive game. So, like, why not? Fourth quarter, Jose Alvarado. Which again, people again will clown him because of the the moment with I believe I believe it was Patrick Beverly. I don't remember. It might have been the. I don't even remember who it was. But uh, that asking asked him, or no, I think it was Dame actually that asked him, hey, "Are you a shooter?" And then Jose Alvarado was like, you know, uh, basically came in, came back and hit a three in his face. But um, he is actually a good basketball player, <laughs> and again, it's showing little because he's on the New Orleans Pelicans, and they're not really a team that's being showcased outside of maybe CJ McCollum in a great game from Devonte Graham, by the way. Which shout out to Devonte Graham, um. This team is still horrendous <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Number one, like, uh, like the the bench is whatever. Like again, y'all can reshape that in the off season. Even like Trey Murphy, I think just needs another year of development. That's about it. 
but like the Chicago Bulls team. Like I said, we'll come back to New Orleans in a little bit, but Chicago right now. Is there a reason why Patrick Williams isn't a starter? Like, be honest. I know he's only had what three, four games under his belt this season, or really, or since he's been back. I should say three to three to four games, maybe. Probably what eight to ten games so far this season. But is there a reason why, like? I figure Chicago would want more impact in that starting lineup than Javante Green, which again, Javante Green is a good role player, but like off the bench, like Kobe White can handle the offense. Tristan Thompson's a good rebounder. Tony, uh, Troy Brown is whatever. He's like I said, he can do. He can he can play make. He can defend. He's got that in his bag. But is there a reason why? Like Patrick Williams has to come off the bench, and again, I understand working him in, back into the, the Bulls system because it's been what five months, honestly. But Lord, Zach Levine needs help, and I know Demar Derozan's not out long term. I understand that Lonzo had a setback, and he's probably out for the season. I'm not not it's not funny, but it's like it it that's basically the situation that's going on. Uh, the Bulls like the like guys like Javante Green. I would assume the you know Troy Brown, even Alex Crusoe, aren't the most consistent guys on the planet. But man, I had so much promise for this Bulls team. Again, I understand a lot has happened to this team in three months. From again having probably the most difficult schedule in the league to injuries out the wazoo. Your entire defense went out with injuries with. Paul Lonzo and Alex Crusoe out all at this exact same time. This team still it it's a shame, honestly. It is a shame because again, you uh, you've lost Demar Derozan for what a week or whatever. You get pa- Patrick Williams back, which is nice because again, like again, it adds way more to your defense than Javante Green and Io Dasumnu, who's a good defender, but. He's not an NBA level elite defender yet. Even like Kobe White, who's he is what he is. He's a six man, honestly. And the rest of his team kind of being buns, except for maybe Deion, uh, Derrick Jones Jr., which you should use Derrick Jones Jr. because he is a good defender. I don't know what what it is about this team though. It 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 screams like I said, it screams twenty nineteen. It screams 2019 Bulls, which is not what this team was designed to be. This team was absolutely designed to be playoff, heavy playoff, elite playoff contender, potentially championship aspirations. Like, that's what we were preaching about for the Bulls for the first 40 to 50 games of the season. First seed in the Eastern Conference. DeMar was an MVP candidate. Zach Levine was still averaging 27, playing like the best shooting guard in basketball, and he's getting, you know, most clutch honors and player of the weeks and et cetera, et cetera. Vucevic had come back, you know, like he he was Orlando Vucevic again. But in all honesty, this team benefited from an easier schedule than what they have now, which is a good thing. Like, honestly, get your wins out of the way now so you're not (laughs) – 70 games into the season, or for their case, 73 games into the season, fighting for the eighth seed as opposed to, you know, right now they're with the fifth, sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. I think they're like the fifth seed. 
which, you know, again, that's not horrible for them. They could eat just as easily be the ninth seed right now trying to fight their way into the playoffs. But it's an absolute shame. Like, I, I don't even want to really talk about it because it makes me sad as somebody who was a legit believer into in this team. And I was blinded by the fact that they're, you know, beating the Pistons and the uh, the Knicks and the with the Hawks and like team the the Pacers teams like that. Um, I don't know. Like again, it, it sucks, but yeah. So other news before we get into like the last couple of games, because we did talk pretty extensively about the Phoenix Suns already in this episode. Um, like even like the, I think the only, yeah, we've basically talked about every game except for the, the Suns and the Nuggets, which was a banger last night, by the way, Phoenix and I love Devin Booker. Chris Paul came back, obviously. So like that was fun to see And Denver probably had their best game post. Like again, you saw a good Aaron Gordon game. You saw a good Bones Highland. Bones Highland has been really good for the last couple of weeks for Denver. Same with Monte Morris and Will Barton. Like honestly, this Nuggets team is playing a lot better than what they were first half of the year, where it was literally just Jokic doing any, uh, everything. But I will say, like, just a couple of like new little news and tidbits for uh, around the NBA. Portland re- re-signing uh, Chris Dunn to a ten-day contract. You know, he had a. It's whatever. Portland, Portland is just a whatever team, honestly. Uh, Portland again signing Drew Eubanks to a ten, ten a fourth consecutive ten-day contract. That's 40 games, and you haven't even given this man a contract. Come on now. He's, he's your only big big man right now. You might as well just sign up for the rest of the year. You're not going to play like Trent Wofford at center. Let's be honest here. Um, like there's uh, Of course, Mike Malone got his uh, contract extension. He's been great as a head coach for the Denver. Again, it sucks it because like it's literally like the Jokic show for the first 60 games of the year. But I absolutely uh, – that's pretty dope. Um, Zion Williamson being cleared for a one-on-one workout. That was pretty, pretty, I was excited to see that nose. And then I saw the Zion, like that's a, a, a negative around the organization where the, the Suns will, uh, he'll likely, the, like the, or not, I said the Suns, Jesus, the Pelicans had, uh, that were likely saying that he wasn't out for the season. Um, or he, he was out for the season. I should say it was likely that he was. And then. The report came out that, or the video came out of him doing a off the backboard in between the legs, stand still in a workout gym, because you could see like the floor was a little bit rubbery. Like that's like you could see like the floor going up and down. Like you, it was very obvious that like it was like a practice gym workout, the workout gym, whatever, as opposed to an actual basketball court. But still, nonetheless, he can jump. That's fun to see. Um. More news like uh, this. We talked about Sabonis being out earlier. Um, basically, he 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 will uh, be reevaluated on April second, which sucks. Because even as somebody that was not a fan of the Kings trading for him, like you gave up Halliburton for him, he's still a good. Uh, he's an I won't even say he's a good one on one basketball player. I will say that I'm not like he's not as impactful as the numbers may tell you, but he's still he's still solid to see. Um TJ Warren, that whole situation with the Pacers, he was officially out for these are I'm literally only just reading notes from 
like basically since I'd been gone. Like so, like yes, this came out a week ago, but this podcast has been out for over a week and a half. So yeah, T.J. Warren is uh, is out for the season, as he's essentially only played four games in two seasons, which doesn't necessarily help him out come contract time. Nobody's going to give him a long term deal with the craziness going on there. Uh, Steph Curry, uh, obviously he got injured. I believe it was the day of the podcast, or was it? No, it was, I'm I'm pretty sure it was like the game after the podcast. Actually, I don't. I actually because it's been a minute. Let's be honest, it's been a few games, but I don't remember when it was exactly. But yes, yeah, it says Steph Curry is he can return by the start of the playoffs in mid-April, but is expected to see a specialist soon for further evaluation. Get well soon, Steph Curry. Obviously, like and for everybody else that's dealing with injuries because. Genuinely, the worst part of the game, man. Like it, it, it's, it's an absolute shame. Genuinely, it's an absolute shame where, like, guys who are playing again, like even in Steph Curry's case, like playing at the top of their game, and they go down with injuries. Sabonis was like playing like an All Star big since he got to Sacramento, and they were actually winning games with him. It's just, like I said, man. It's a shame. Like I don't want to. I don't want to wish. I obviously don't wish in, injuries on anybody because at the, at the end of the day, this is their multi-million dollar job that they have to be a tip-top shape to perform. And it's it hurts, man. It hurts because even like somebody like um like me who I watched the Blake Griffin injury in real time and essentially ended his prime like that, like with a snap of a finger, he was done and is now. A shell of a role player at this point because he's just sitting on Brooklyn's bench next to Ben to Ben Simmons and having a laugh. Like it's it it hurts, man. Even like somebody that like me again as a Pistons fan, I've seen more than enough gruesome injuries. I saw Brandon Jennings ruptured his Achilles. I sent I saw Blake Griffin's calf injuries. I saw you know every single one of Reggie Jackson's nagging injuries. Tayshawn Prince at the end of his career. I as a Pistons fan, I saw it all, man. And it it's a shame because you just want you just want these dudes to be able to perform at the absolute best that they can, and they're having years, accolades, whatever you they prefer, honestly, taken off of their career because of a freak accident. In all honesty, whether it's caused by somebody else or it was like in guys like Brandon Jennings' case, a Non-contact. Derek Derek Rose again was looked at as a first ballot Hall of Famer, twenty-one years old, MVP. You know, youngest to win that award, taking the Miami Heat to their absolute limit back in the early twenty tens, and all these injuries that he's piled up over the last decade, and somehow we're still questioning his legacy. It 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 hurts again. Like I said, as a basketball fan, just as a like again, even I talked about it. Like Chris Paul being one of my top guys, and he's I feel like every single year he's dealt with a, like a crazy, except for the OKC year. I think the OKC year was literally the only year he didn't deal with an injury, but or like deal like since he became like a, a superstar point guard, I should say that like New Orleans, especially with the Clippers. 
even in Houston, like Houston one, I think is the most devastating one because they were a legit championship team. And I feel like if he was not injured during that that run, there was a lot of factors in that series. Let's be honest with the, against Golden State in 2018. But if he is not injured, I think they won a championship that year. I'm willing to argue that. Like they win a, they beat that, they definitely beat the Cavs that year because that year the Cavs are god awful. But I think they genuinely do have all the chances in the world of winning a championship if Chris Paul doesn't injure his hamstring. And then the next year he doesn't come back nearly the same. Then he's shipped to OKC and he has a really good year with the Thunder. They become limited. Again, he's healthy. So that's the most important part. Phoenix last year, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he, I don't remember him missing a whole lot of time with Phoenix last year, but he, like I said, he was able to play and played brilliantly and took him to the finals. He, granted, he was the beneficiary of some of those guys getting injured, Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard, to name a few. But in all honesty, if he isn't injured or if he's injured, one of those teams go to the finals, like, you know, the Lakers or, Whatever team, like, you know, Clippers probably the team that goes to the finals. I feel like if injuries were not a thing, I think those that that's definitely where the Clippers would be a champion, potential championship team. We never know. And a lot of legacies are looked at differently because of it. So, yeah, man, injuries, injuries absolutely do suck, though. Real, that's a real talk right there. Sadly, I know that's a kind of a bummer way to close up the podcast and all, honestly. But... I think we can we can we can honestly close it out right there, honestly, because there wasn't too much else to talk about. We did cover the Phoenix Suns extensively in this episode, but I do want to talk about just some podcasting uh, notes. The next one, the next episode will probably be Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Like I feel probably most likely Tuesday, but but it could, it could. Sorry, I had a little background issue, but yeah, it'll probably be on Tuesday. Probably be Tuesday, but if not, if you don't see me upload load on Tuesday, it's because the podcast I did push it to Wednesday. I again, do, I will absolutely want to spread these out more. I we did cover a lot in this episode. I will say that we talked hoops, we talked injuries, we talked real life, talked pot, uh, just you know, future notes about the podcast. We did cover extensively on a lot of stuff that needed to be talked about, and that's. Most important, of course, we did have uh, have a, a slight conversation about the Michigan Villanova game. Kind of sad. I did, again, haven't watched a whole lot of college bat- like of the tournament because the tournament isn't how you judge top talent. In honest, in all honesty, because and, and it happens every year. Let's be honest. Like top talent get get cut. Like there, you're not going to see like this year. You wasn't going to see like Duke versus Gonzaga. Like be honest with yourselves. You was not going to see that. Like guns, like Gonzaga was going to be out. Duke, Duke is still in there specifically for Shashevsky and you know Paulo Paulo Bonchero building his name up. But like Jay Nivey, you're not going to see as a crazy tournament name, or like like those those kind of names. You're not going to see getting Jabari Smith. Like Auburn just got eliminated a couple of days or was Sunday, Monday, whenever the tournament was before last night. I'm pretty sure it was Sunday though. Yeah, like you're not gonna see Kentucky was out. Like you weren't gonna see those top t- top top names make it too far in the tournament. Because again, those are guys that are prioritizing draft weekend as opposed to, you know, in national championship, which they obviously should. Because let's be honest, 
nobody's really caring about their tournament performance. They're going to be caring about how they can transition their college career to the NBA career. That's all it is. But again, I will close out. I did close out with a uh, just some let's just some uh, some notes on when the next episode of the podcast is going to be. This was a pretty pretty extensive episode. You're going to be getting a lot more of these if the if this is the type of podcast that you like. This is absolutely what I I tend on doing for the foreseeable future. If if I do see that people don't really care for the hour and a half long episodes, then I will more than more than oblige and go back to the almost daily 30 to 40 minute episodes cuz those are a lot more a lot better to consume than an hour and a half. But if you missed the previous 100 episodes of the podcast, especially the one with the Ryan when we rank the top scores of all time, that one gets a little bit that gets pretty controversial actually because we do we do put some names up there that don't deserve to be up there, but you know, n- nonetheless, it was just a fun conversation with a homie. I it was so long that I ended up blasting it or spreading it to two and a, two two and a half hour episodes. Because, like I said, our conversation was that long, but God, it was so fun. And honestly, it's just it's always fun to talk to my bro because that's like my day one right there. So, as always, if you missed any of those episodes, specifically that episode, those two episodes, um, you can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and now right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.